Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I don't know if you've ever seen the show, but I was uh, watching uh, a show called The Curse of Oak Island. Anybody ever seen this show? Well, I stumbled on it. Patty and I were watching TV one night, and I was intrigued because I, I love the whole treasure hunting kind of thing. And so they, they led you to believe that like they were going to find it any minute. So I was on it, man. And, and we watched it and watching, and I was watching the clock, and I kept thinking, man, they're not going to find it in the next five minutes. And so I thought, well, maybe it's a two-hour special. And so at the hour, it closed, and they hadn't found the treasures. So I looked it up online only to find out that it was a series. And the series has, at least right now, nine seasons, and some of the seasons have up to 31 episodes. I was mad, I'm telling you. I I could not invest that much. and, and it just felt like, so I tuned in again next week thinking, okay. And they weren't any closer. It's just, they just, they just toy with you. How many know what I'm talking about? They just kind of tease you and bring you along. And I thought, I, I think they're a little more into the hunting than they are the treasure. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? How many of you feel like you can relate? We're more into the hunting than the treasure, right, everyone? Well, Jesus has said some things already about our treasures and where our treasures are. And uh, if you couldn't tell by the title, Treasure Hunters, uh, this next little series, probably two or three weeks, um, is, is really going to be about that part of our life that we often don't talk about in these gatherings. It's about our finances. And Jesus had a lot to say. Matter of fact, out of the 38 parables that Jesus shared when he walked this earth, 16 of them were about finances and about our money. So if Jesus talked about it, how many know we shouldn't hide from it, but we ought to talk about it, right? And if you're sitting here today and you've been abused by a church or you've been abused by some organization financially, would you just do me a favor and just hear me out and see what God might be saying to you during this season of your life? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 6. Jesus said some stuff about our treasures, and he said this. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's an interesting title. It's like, you mean I can put treasures in heaven? And he said, where moths and vermin do not destroy... And where the thieves do not break in and steal. Now watch this next line. For where your treasure is, that's where or there your heart will be also. Wow. There's a lot in that. But let me give a couple of disclaimers first of all. Just so everybody could breathe, breathe easy. Here's the first disclaimer. The disclaimer is I am not trying to get anything from you this morning. So sit back. Keep drinking your coffee. I know you're looking for an exit plan. I'm not trying to get one thing from you, all right? We're not going to play sad puppy dog music in just a minute and take an offering at the end of this, okay? I'm really not trying to get anything from you. The truth of the matter is if you've been around here for a while, we're really trying to get something to you. 
Because God wants to bless us in those areas of our life, but we have to do it God's way. So just to give a little more disclaimer, maybe I'm being a little defensive today, I'm not sure. But if you're newer here, I want you to know there's not going to be an offering at the end of this. We've never taken an offering in the history of our church. We've never asked you to sign a faith pledge or a faith promise or anything like that. The only thing we've ever done is every year in November, we do a legacy offering. And every year at the legacy offering, we ask you to pray about what God would have you be a part of so that we could take that offering and we do a couple of things with it. We pour it right back into our community. We feel very convicted to do that because I think that the people of the, people of the world are tired of hearing about the love of Jesus Christ, and it's time somebody like us would step up and, come on, show the love of Jesus, right? And so we invest in our community. We've invested in our police department, our fire department, ministries around town, counseling ministries, and, and as you know, we go out every week and help the homeless and all of those kind of things. And so we ask you to pray about a legacy offering, and we take that offering and we do that. The second thing we do with it is we invest in our national ministries because we're, we're a part of something that's bigger than just us sitting in the room. Aren't you glad for that? And so we, we, we invest in Dream Centers and, and Colorado City and some of those things you can read about on our webpage. Um, um, and, and, and so we do all of those things. Um, and I've never done a series on finances here, so I thought it was time to do that. And here's why. This year, we've moved the legacy offering from November. We've moved it forward, if you've been around. We've asked you for the month remaining of the month of September coming up, that, that this year, September, the whole month would be legacy month, and that you would pray about what you would do as a part of the legacy offering. Um, and, and this year, and this year only, we would take that offering and invested in our house so that we could uh, finalize this building purchase. And in doing so, we feel like indirectly that we'll still be investing in our community. Everybody with me so far? Okay, housekeeping is done. Now let me get to the message part, all right? Uh, and so I haven't done a series on finances and the timing of this is interesting because some might think, well, I'm doing a message on finances because we need money. No, I told you a long time ago I wouldn't preach because we had a need of something. We're not here to ask you to pay any bills today. Remember, we're not trying to get anything from you, right, everybody? We're trying to get something to you. But because I ask this year more than ever that there would be 100% participation. In other words, I want every person that calls Radius their church to ask God what I should do. And it's not even about the amount. It's about the unity of everybody coming together and doing their part. Now, um, so, so we wanted to do this legacy offering. Now, to do that for some people here, that's going to take a big step of faith. Because some, we're not throwing any stones, some have never done that. Some have never, they're not in the place of their spiritual walk where they've ever invested or they've ever given back financially to the Lord. Some are saying, man, there is no way I could do that. I'm, a, I'm on a tight budget. There is no way. In order to give back financially to the Lord, how many would agree with me it takes faith to do that, right? It takes faith to do that. And really, it has a lot of indicators of where we're at on our spiritual walk. Because how many know if you can trust God with your money, you can trust Him with just about anything, right? 
Come on. It's like money is the last frontier, right? And it just really shows our spiritual development when we can begin to trust God in that area. And so it's going to take faith to do that. And so sometimes we need more faith to, in order to do the things God has called us to do. And faith, according to Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, right? And so, welcome to the faith bank this morning, everybody, all right? So, faith comes by hearing. So, what I want to do is just share with you some very foundational things about the principles of stewardship and the principles of godly finances and let the Holy Spirit do whatever He's going to do. How many know that God can speak to your heart a whole lot better than I can, right, everyone? Okay, so... Um, now, again, I'm not going to play sad music. I'm not going to play the little puppy dogs on the screen. We're not taking an offering. Um, and this message really isn't even about legacy. It's about elevating our faith game. It's about being able to trust God in all of these areas, all right, and steward his blessing. So I'm going to start with some things. If you've been around here, you know, we, we, we believe we are Christians living under the new covenant of grace. Amen? Amen. I got to beg for amens today because when you talk about money, it's going to be quiet in this house today. So, um, so I want to back up, though, and go to the Old Testament, and I just want to lay some foundations. One of, one of the top five most asked questions I get around here is when they get up and say, you don't take an offering, but you, if you want to bring your tithes an offering, one of the most asked questions I get is, what is a tithe? In fact, just a few weeks ago, I had a guy ask me, what is a Tide? And I said, well, that's laundry detergent that you use in your washer because they are so new. Over 50% of the people that will sit in this building today have absolutely no church background. And so those of you that are mature, come on and give way and help us all learn together. All right, everyone? So I want to do some very elementary kind of things. And so let's just start with first things first. So, so uh, here's my points today. First things first. I'm going to go backwards to the Old Testament, and I want to show you a principle that is still active and living today. Um, and when I say first things first, it's really important that we understand something that order determines outcome. Yeah. Right, everybody? You with me? Order determines outcome. Let me just prove it in a simple little thing. Uh, let's say uh, Jim hit the car. Let's take the same exact information and reverse the order and see if the outcome's not different. Jim hit the car. The car hit Jim. How many know those are huge differences, right? And so even in our financial world, uh, uh, order determines outcome. We think oftentimes we need more to solve the problem, but maybe it's the order that needs to change, and it's the order that changes the outcome. Come on now. I'm already preaching, and you ain't even acting like it, all right? And, and, so, so, and Jesus says this in Matthew chapter number 6, to seek first, what is it? The kingdom of God. So it's the principle of first, seeking him first, and then all these other things God's going to take care of in our lives. So seek first the kingdom of God. Now, God is not a respecter of persons, so it's not like, oh, I'm going to bless this guy and I'm going to leave this guy out. God's not a respecter of person. The miracles, the blessings that he works for one person, he is more than glad and willing to work in our lives. Come on, that's good news, everybody. But God is, however, a respecter of principles. Because we have to do things his way. Come on, everybody. We're not Burger King, right? We can't have it our way. we got to do it God's way to do it God's way. Now, so tithing, first of all, is a principle. 
And I'm going to explain what tithing means here in just a minute. But tithing is not a law. It's a principle that God gives us to live by. Okay, now hang with me. I'm stalling a little bit. Hang with me on this. I'm going to Exodus of all places to begin to lay a foundation and, and, uh, for the subject of tithing. So let's look at it. Or really not even tithing, but for putting God first. Exodus chapter number 13 uh, I'm going to read some random verses just for time. I'm going to read verse 2. Then we're going to skip down and read verses number 12 and 13. Okay, here's what he says. Consecrate to me. I'll define consecrate a little bit later. Consecrate to me every firstborn male. Okay, now this is going to sound really Old Testament like what is going on here? Just hang with me. If I do my job good, we'll connect all the dots. Watch this. The first offspring, the what? The first. Say it with me. The what? First. Not the second, not the leftover, but the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether man or animal. Now, that's weird. I don't have time to get into. All right. <laughs> Verse number 12. <laughs> you are to give over to the Lord the first, first offspring of every womb. Uh, what else do I have? All the firstborn males of your uh, livestock belong to the Lord. Every firstborn, not secondborn, not leftovers. Every firstborn belongs to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb. Watch this now. Some of you will already start connecting the dots to the New Testament. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. Now let me explain that. That's because a donkey was designated as an unclean animal. Hold on. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. <laughs> Don't you just love the Old Testament, everybody, right? Okay. Uh, it is vital that we understand something about the, uh, the principle of first. If we're going to understand anything about tithing or money, or even in our relationship with God, we have to understand the principle of first, or in this case, the principle of firstborn. According to the Old Testament, the firstborn was to either be sacrificed to God, or it was to be redeemed. You guys with me? You're deep in thought, I can tell. There was no third option. So the firstborn of all the livestock either had to be sacrificed to God or it had to be redeemed. Every time uh, one of your livestock animals delivered its firstborn, you were either, either to sacrifice it. If it was an unclean animal, that's why it said that about the donkey, then you had to go get a spotless lamb. And the spotless lamb, the clean animal, would take the place of the unclean animal. Is anybody reading between the lines yet? Okay, so you were to sacrifice it or, and it, again, if it was designated as unclean. Okay, to, so to summarize, the clean firstborn had to be sacrificed and the unclean born had to be redeemed. Okay, now with that premise in mind, I know that's a lot of crazy Old Testament kind of what might feel like ritual stuff, but with that in mind... Let's turn to the new pages and open the story of the, uh, the, the New Testament and watch John the Baptist down with his feet in the muddy waters of the Jordan River, baptizing people, trying to redeem people, and he stops in the middle of his baptism and he points toward the muddy shore as Jesus is coming down, and what does he say? He says, behold the Lamb of God, right? Because he's trying to redeem them through baptism, but here comes the spotless lamb ready to redeem, come on everybody, the unclean ones. 
right? Are you with me? So Jesus was God's firstborn, and Jesus was clean. Jesus was perfect. We all know this, right? He came to this world. He lived a perfect world. He did not sin, and and he's unblemished. He's like the unblemished, sacrificial lamb of God. On the other hand, every one of us was born unclean. Kind of just look at your neighbor and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. All right. you know, you're right? Okay. So all of us were born unclean. Right, everybody? We're all born as sinners. See, we have a misconception oftentimes that we're sinners because we do the act of sin. No, we do the act of sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we murdered somebody. We're not sinners because of whatever you did last night. We're sinners because we are born spiritually dead. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, then they had children. If they would have sinned after they had children, we'd have had a whole different story going on here. But now we are all born spiritually dead. Remember he told Adam and Eve, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. That moment, we died spiritually Jesus steps onto the scene and tells Nicodemus that unless a man is born again, unless his spirit man is revived or born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You guys following me? We're in class this morning, all right? So, so Jesus was the firstborn. He was born clean. He was born sinless. And we are born unclean. And we are born sinful. We're born into this world as sinners. That's why we need to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can be a good person and come from a good home. Come on now. But we still have to acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Everybody with me on that point? So so then Jesus then was sacrificed. Watch this. Jesus was the lamb that was sacrificed to do one thing. Jesus was sacrificed to redeem all of us unclean donkeys. <laughs> and aren't you glad I used the word donkey? Come on, everybody, right? He, he was sacrificed to redeem all of us. He bought us back for God. Now watch this. Let me lower the boom on this. He bought us back for God. Jesus then, and I'll explain this. Jesus then was God's tithe to humanity. Because the tithe or the first always redeems the rest. For God so loved the world that he gave his only or his first and only begotten son. So he gave the principle of first because the first of anything redeems all the rest. Come on. Aren't you glad for Jesus today? Can we get an amen in the house, right? All right. Now watch this. Now let me start tying this to the subject of money, okay? The tithe, which again I'll explain, the tithe always buys back or redeems the rest. That's why those of you that know the spiritual practice or the spiritual discipline of tithing, you know that your 90% is blessed and you will accomplish more with 90% because the 10% you got back to God, now the 90%, come on, it's redeemed or it's blessed. Thank you for the three amens in the house today, all right? Okay, now watch this. Here's why. Because the 10, the, the, the word tithe means 10. The word 10 in Scripture always represents a test. When God told us to bring our tithe, he says, test me in this. I'll read that verse in a little bit. It's the only place in all of the Scripture where God says, test me. Because it's a test that's to elevate our faith or elevate our walk with God. Come on. How many know it's a gut check when you're giving back to the Lord? 
Am I right? It's a, it's a gut check. So why 10? Why wasn't God interested in 1% or 5% or whenever I can? Because in Scripture, the number, not even in Scripture, you don't even have to know the Bible. In math class, the number 10 represents everything. Think about it in logic. If you can count to 10, you can count to a million. Watch. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Don't worry, I'm not going to count to a million. When I get to 10, what happens? We start over because 10 represents everything. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 represents everything. It's the first 10. It's not the leftover 10. It's the first 10 that redeems the rest. It represents everything because once I get to 10, then I start all over. 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 2, 2, 2, 3, 3, 1, 3. You guys understand what I'm saying? So 10 represents everything. So it's not just some arbitrary pulled out of a hat kind of thing. So God, watch this. God gave Jesus first. First things first. He gave Jesus first as a tithe or as the first so that he, while we were yet sinners. Watch this. So God exercised the same faith that he's asking us to exercise. He gave his son Jesus to redeem the rest while we were sinners, not knowing if we would change or not, not knowing if we would become sons and daughters of God. So God exercised the same faith that he's asking you and I to exercise right now is to give, not knowing if I can pay that bill, not knowing if I will have enough at the end of the month. The same faith God had to use is the same faith he's asking you and I to use when we bring it back to God. Come on. He didn't wait to see. He, he didn't wait to see if we would change. And, and when we give to God our first, we are trusting him. It's where, that's why I say it takes some spiritual maturity. Somewhere in our walk, we have to finally decide, are we going to trust him in this arena? I believe if we can trust him in the money arena, it proves that we can trust him in anything. And I'm truly on a faith walk with God. Is everybody still here? Yeah. So we're trusting him on that. We're, we're trusting him to redeem the rest. Watch this. We're trusting him to bless the other 90% and the 90% will go further than your unblessed 100% will ever go. Now, everybody that already tithes, they will say stuff like this. Man, I can't afford not to tithe. I've been blessed my whole life. Everybody that's afraid to tithe will say, man, I can't afford to tithe. But talk to every single person that tithes on a regular basis and every one of them Every testimony I've ever heard will say, man, I'm so blessed. God always has come through. God is always taking care because the 10 represents it all and it redeems the rest. Proverbs chapter 3 tells us this then. Honor the Lord. So one of the ways we honor the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. So there it is again. First thing is first. All right. Let me just show you one more thing. I'll move to point number two. This is just kind of a little extra. Remember the, the story of, of Moses going and getting the children of Israel out of Egypt? Remember he shows up and says, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. You guys know that story? Would you pretend you know it so it makes me feel better? Okay. So he goes, and Pharaoh's stubborn, right? And he won't do it. And so there's ten plagues. Everybody know this? Have you, have you watched the Ten Commandments on TV at least? Okay. We need a little interaction here, like wink at me or something, all right? And so he goes in, he says, let my people go. He says, no way. And so he sends frogs in there, right? And then he sends, you know, the locusts. And the 10th and plague, though, remember the 10th plague? The 10th plague. 
sorry, if you're new to church, this is really creepy stuff. It's very Old Testament. I'm sorry. I didn't write the book. I'm just the reporter, all right? So God says, I'm going to kill the firstborn of everybody. What kind of God, right? I'm going to kill the firstborn of everybody. Ten plagues. Tenth plague was I'm going to kill the firstborn of all the animals and all the, uh, all the sons. You guys know this story? Okay. So what's interesting about this is here again, we see the principle of the first redeeming the rest. Because the next morning came, and all the Egyptians' firstborn sons were dead. But all the Israelites, people of God, all their firstborn sons were still alive. Why? Because the night before they went out, they got a spotless lamb. Huh, they shed its blood and put it over the door. It's called the Passover. And put it over their doorpost because the blood or the first or the tenth, it redeemed all the rest. Come on, everybody. Are you hearing that today? The blood of the lamb redeemed them. Now, let's go to another one. Point number two, I thought about trying to say it a different way. It's going to sound very Old Testament, but maybe it'll add shock value and you'll go, what church am I in today? So point number two is consecrated or cursed. <laughs> two words that you probably don't hear us preach much around here, consecrated or cursed. Now, I'm not in any way saying anybody's cursed at all. So just throw that out really quick. I don't know what you've heard in other places, but God's not going to curse you. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Okay? Let me say that one more time. Jesus has already redeemed us from the curse of the law. Okay, I just want to make sure, because this is like going to sound like language that you're not used to around here. But let me, let me work this out. Because what I'm referring to on this point is that our money can either be consecrated and blessed, or it can be cursed. And the ten consecrates it all and blesses the rest. Still tracking? All right. So, again, this is very Old Testament language, but the principle here is relevant. So let me define the word consecrate. Uh, to consecrate means to devote or dedicate or to make it an object of honor. So when it comes to our finances, when it comes to any area of our life, when we consecrate something, we're making it a subject of honor. Remember the previous verse I just read? Honor the Lord with your first fruits. When we consecrate it, when we hold that 10% sacredly like, no, nothing else can have that 10%, then we're consecrating it and we're honoring it to God. When the people of God finally made it then out of the plagues and into the promised land, you guys know this story? He makes it out of Egypt and they wander for 40 years. Moses dies, Joshua takes over, and they're finally ready to take the promised land. How many know this story? Yeah. One or two of you. Have you ever at least been to a football game and heard somebody sing, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Anybody heard this? Want me to sing it for you? Tim, would you stand and sing it? No. Okay. All right. So Joshua fought the battle. Okay. So watch. They are to the promised land. Joshua chapter number one opens up with God promising them that they're going to go into the promised land, the land of victory, and they're going to win every battle, and they're going to get to have all the plunder all the blessings from every, I'll use the word, city in, in Jericho. So, you, man, you're going to go in, you're going to conquer all these ungodly armies, and you're going to get to have all the plunder. This is God's way of paying you back for all those years in slavery in Egypt. Except for the very first battle that you go to. The very first battle that you go to, you can't have a nickel from there. 
I want you to bring everything from that place back to the house of God because it's the designated, devoted, consecrated thing. Come on, everybody. Anybody know what the first battle was? It was Jericho, the battle of Jericho. So they go to Jericho, and they can't keep what's in Jericho because, again, Jericho represents the first. It's the first battle. It represents the tithe. Watch this, Joshua chapter number 6. I'll prove that it's in the Bible. Joshua 6, verse 18 and 24. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction Sometimes we create our own messes financially. I was gracious to say sometimes. <laughs> we create our own destruction because we want God to bless our money. But he said, here's the principle. Let the ten redeem and bless the rest. All right, so watch this. And not bring about destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction. Now, this is really Old Testament. That means everybody in the army better make sure that you bring your tenth back. If not, everybody's going to be in trouble. Come on, you'd be looking at each other again. Hey, you better, you doing your tithe today? I didn't see you go by the black box, yeah, right? That's Old Testament. Aren't you glad we're in New Testament? Come on, everybody, right? Okay, so if you read Joshua chapter number 7, was that all I had? Sorry. Oh, then they burned the whole city and everything in it. I know, crazy. But they put the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. They brought it back, put the treasury, put the first, put the tenth back into the treasury of the Lord's house. I'm glad I get to preach this today after signing a contract on a building because of your faithfulness and giving. So you know I'm not preaching this to get anything from you. All right, everyone? Okay, now if you read ahead the book of Joshua, if you get to the book of Joshua chapter number 7, we find a man by the name of Achan. And Achan decides he's not going to do it God's way. He's going to do it his way. So when they destroyed Jericho, they brought all the offerings back to the house of the Lord's treasury, except for Achan. And the Bible says he took some of the devoted things, and he brought them back and hid it under his tent. Now, I'm not going to preach because it's way too gruesome for my soft personality to tell you what happened to Achan. You know, it really hurts when you laugh at me like that. But anyway, we'll keep on moving. So let me read it to you a little bit. Joshua chapter number 7, watch. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully. Notice, he said all of the Israelites acted unfaithfully because one did. All of our money has a hard time being blessed when the first isn't where it ought to be. Watch this, watch this. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regards to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, Carmen, all right, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So here's what happens next. Achan stole the devoted thing. They go to another battle, their very next battle, the battle of Ai. They didn't even need anybody. It was a little tiny. It, it, it was a little little tiny town, a little tiny. And, and, and so Joshua didn't even send all the warriors, just a handful of them. Just go take care of them while we're eating lunch. And they went and they got their heinies kicked. Heine is a Greek word that you can look up. Okay. I mean, they, they were utterly destroyed. Why were they destroyed? Because it all comes back to they touched the, des the, the designated or the uh, consecrated thing. Now watch this. I know this is Old Testament, but there's a principle here. 
And the principle is, I wonder how much of our financial world loses its battle or its intentions because we don't bring back the designated thing to God. Now, I know there's an argument in here already saying, uh-oh, wait a minute, but Ken, but Ken, but Ken, hold up. Let me, let me. I tithe all the time, and I still have problems. I know you do, and so do I. That's why God says, test me in this. Tithing is not like a magic pill, get rich quick, nothing's ever going to go wrong. It's just to assure that God's got you. Are you going to have a battle? Absolutely. Are you going to have a challenge? Absolutely. Is your furnace ever going to give out? Absolutely. But God says, I'm going to be with you because you have honored me, I will honor. Because you've honored my house, I will honor your house. Come on, everybody, right? Okay, so the consecrated thing, it became, now I'm going to use this word, but hang with me. The consecrated thing, They didn't consecrate it, so it became cursed, so they lost the battle. A hundred percent of our money, when it's not redeemed, it will, and when we steal that part, when we don't honor that with God, we have to ask the question, is that why my finances are out of order? Okay? Now, cursed is a strong word. I understand. We're not cursed. God's not cursing you if you don't tithe, okay? You're, this is not a heaven or hell issue, everybody. You're not going to hell if you don't tithe. I just want to make sure, okay? Yes, Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, but how many of us still experience the curse of this world? Hmm? He, he, he took stripes on his back so we could have healing, but how many of us ever here have been sick, right? We still live in a cursed a fallen world, right? He, he set us free from our sins, but how many of you ever sinned? You better raise your hand because I know you guys, all right? So, so, yes, so we still see the consequences. So God's not saying he's going to curse you. He's saying that the world system lives under a curse, and the way we redeem it is by practicing his principle. You guys with me? Okay, let me read it. Malachi. Uh, I can see eyes glazing over, so I'm going to wrap this up. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You rob me. Now, when God says he, that we rob him, he's not saying you rob me because I was hoping to pave another street with gold. He's saying you rob me from the opportunity to bless your life. Yeah. Come on. Anybody here ever raise kids and you tell them to do these three things and we're going to go to ice cream? And you want ice cream just as bad as they do, and they don't do the three things, and you're just as bummed out as they are, and you're like begging them to do the thing so we could go have ice cream, but you're a person of your word and you can't. I'm speaking like I have experience on this. God's saying, you robbed me from the blessing of being at that ice cream party with you. Right? That's that. You are under a curse. He didn't say, I will curse you, but our world system is under a curse. That's why you and I have to be redeemed. Our time has to be redeemed. Our finances have to be redeemed. What? You're redeeming your time right now. You're spending the first hours of your week, and you're bringing the first back to God, and you're redeeming your time. You're busy people. Everybody's busy people. How do you carve out an hour, two hours to come to church? You're redeeming your time by giving God the first. Right, everyone? Let me throw another one out there. Anybody know the story of Cain and Abel, the first two brothers, right? And, 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 and Cain killed Abel. You guys know this story? But there's a backstory to that. If you read it, I believe it's in Genesis chapter number four, somewhere around there. If you read that story, here's what happened. It says, in a matter of time... Cain brought his offerings, his grain offerings to the Lord. And the Bible says God didn't accept his offering. Because if you really dig into the language there, it was kind of like, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it. 
And really, Cain brought his leftovers to God. And God didn't accept his offering. Again, harsh language, Old Testament. But Abel, it says, Abel brought the first. And he brought the first sacrifice. He brought the first part, and God received that. God is not interested in our leftovers because it takes no faith to walk in leftovers, to give leftovers. It takes faith, and he's a rewarder of those that walk in faith. Come on. Are you guys with me still? A little bit farther? Let me give you one more point. All right, breathe easy, everybody. We're almost done, okay? Point number three is this, life or law. Life or law. Um, Again, some words that are a little different here. Man, are we life-giving? Is my money under a life or is it under law? What is this principle here? Let me explain what I mean. Many well-meaning Christians right now, if, I, if, if we pass the microphone around, would say, yeah, but they would argue the fact that we are no longer under the law of the Old Testament. We are under grace. And I'm glad you made that argument because we are under grace and he has redeemed us from the consequences of the law. It doesn't say that we shouldn't do the law. It just means that the consequences, if we mess up, He's, he's, he's already taken care of that because Jesus died for us and was punished for us. Right, everybody? Okay, so this is not a heaven or hell thing. And, and so some would make the argument, but now we're under grace. Okay, but let's just real, be practical about that. I won't get real deep on this subject, but let me just think. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, adultery was forbidden under the law also. But now we're under grace, so have a good weekend. Right? No, not at all. Is it now acceptable because we're under grace? Of course it's not acceptable. It means that Jesus has forgiven us and our punishment was put on Jesus and we can be forgiven for mistakes. Again, not a heaven or hell thing. Okay. And, and, the, and the tithe, it's not a law. It's a principle. The tithe was initiated Way back in the first chapter of the Bible, the tithe was initiated 430 years before Moses ever came down off the mountain with the tablets in his hands. It's not a law. It's a principle. And by the way, shouldn't grace want us to do way more than what the law would require anyway, everybody? See, grace changes this walk with God from I have to to I get to. All right. Let me wrap this up. So... So tithing is a principle. The definition of principle is a specific conduct or a specific methodology. So, so a, a principle is the way we do something. It's a, it's a method of something. So the principle of tithing was set in motion before the law was ever established. Let me take you all the way back. I'll take you way back. I'll take you all the way back to Genesis chapter number 2 and see if you don't start seeing it. Here it is, Genesis 2, verse number 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Are you guys tracking? God's not trying to steal something from you. He's saying, look, all of this, I'm going to give you plenty of what you need. But I want to see if you trust that I'm the one that provided it and bring some of it back. 
You can eat from all the trees. God's not into taking blessings away. He's into giving blessings on our life. But he's a respecter of principles, everybody. So watch this. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any of the tree in the garden. You can do whatever you want with that 90%. But you must not eat from, there it is, the tithe, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For where you, when you eat of it, you will surely die. That's where the original curse came in. Because there's this one thing. I want to keep it sacred. I want to keep it devoted. You can have the whole thing. But when you mess with that, that's when the curse came in. I am a personal believer that when we mess with the ten, that's when the rest of my finances are not redeemed or they're not blessed. Okay, everyone? Adam and Eve, were, they, they were set in the garden to be stewards of the garden. Do you know that God has blessed you with a home, with children, with cars, with jobs? And what he's called us to do is only be stewards of what we have? Adam and Eve didn't own the garden. And you don't even own what money's in the bank. God owns it all. Here, let me prove that. When you die, it's not going with you. Yeah. Right? He owns it all. So all he asks us to do is I'll keep feeding it to you, but I want you to steward what I'm putting in you well. That's exactly what's happening here in a different way of looking at uh, the creation story. Here's what happened with Adam and Eve. They moved from being contributor. Remember, they were contributing in the garden to only a consumer. As soon as they consumed the devoted thing, everything went out, everything went haywire, right? If we wonder why our finances are such a mess, here's all I'm inviting you to do, is ask God into your finances and practice the principles that he's already set in place. Come on, can you receive that today, everybody? Uh, you can eat all the trees, but this one devoted thing, and, and when they ate it, you already know. Um, here's what happens. They were acting like they were owners of the garden rather than realizing they were managers, Hey, everybody, I don't know, this might be bad news for you, but we don't own anything. We manage it all. I said we manage it all. All right? And sometimes that's good. When you're having a problem with something financially, that's yours, God. But remember in the good times, it's God's also, right, everyone? All right. Tithing is not part of the law. It's a principle throughout the Word of God. I'll give you uh, two verses, and then I'm out of your way. I'm two minutes over time. So here we go. Matthew 23, 23. Let me bring you all the way back into the New Testament now. Woe to you. Jesus is talking here. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Don't you love it? Jesus is a bad dude, right? All right. You give a tenth of your spices. You give a tenth. You, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. But watch what Jesus says. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Yeah, you should live under mercy, and you should practice all that without forgetting the former things. Last verse, you know I can't do this message without bringing up Malachi chapter number 3. And by the way, Ma Malachi chapter number 3, if you go backwards to verse number 6, he said, I am the Lord God and I do not change. So he didn't change from the old to the new, right? So bring the whole tithe. That's what he says. So in this verse, God tells us what to bring. He tells us where to bring it. And he tells us why we're bringing it. All in this verse. He says, bring the whole tithe, so bring ten, into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? The storehouse is the church house. And if this isn't your church, then wherever your church is, bring your tithe to your storehouse. 
Why? So there's meat in this storehouse. So that we can give 500 backpacks away. So that we can give however many we gave away yesterday. So we can give grocers away. So we can have children's ministry. So we can have life groups. So we can minister to people that need ministering too. So there's meat in the storehouse. So when people come hungry and searching and broken, come on, we can turn on the lights and have a microphone and have meat in the storehouse. Come on, everybody, right? So that's what we bring. That's how much we bring. That's where we bring it and that's why we bring it that there may be food in my house and the only place in all of scripture God says test me in this why does he say test me because the word tithe means test okay I got to end right there will you receive that everybody I'm going to stop right there all right